Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Today on the podcast, joining us is one of the most exciting DJs and producers in the UK right now. She's had a phenomenal rise representing her hometown of Dundee in Scotland globally, pushing hard, fast electronic music and even now being a top 10 hit. We're so excited to have you, Hannah Lang. Welcome. Thanks for having me on today. So good to have you. I mean, first of all, how are you and where are you? I'm really good, thank you. And for once, I'm actually at home. I'm in my bedroom, half bedroom, half studio. I've got two days at home this week before back on the road tomorrow. Oh my gosh. So you're still living in Dundee, right? Yeah, yeah, I should have said I'm in Scotland. I'm in Dundee, yeah. Oh my God. How does it feel to spend a bit of time at home? Because I'm guessing you're not home that often. No, I'm not home that often. Yeah, it's good. Like I'm still working from home, but just coming home, I was just visiting my great grand and granda there. So it's nice to go see the friends and family when I'm back. Oh, I bet. I feel like your family, because I I watched your documentary this morning that you did with Van Damme, shout out Jordan. Yeah. um, And B2B cast. And it feels like your family are like an important like support network for you. Yeah, they're honestly the best. Like when I was visiting my great grand and granddad this morning, uh, my great grand was like, you're the best disc jockey I know. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. They're like 80-odd, honestly. They're amazing. Like, they, my great-grand and grand don't fully understand it, but they're here for it. <laughs> have they? Have you taken them to the rave? Um, my grand, not my great-grand, yeah. Wow, what did she think? Yeah, she's she's actually in a few videos on TikTok that went viral. <laughs> um, oh. She loves it. And again, like she's not necessarily into the music, but she just loves seeing me happy. And if I tell her... Like I go if I'm home, I'll go to hers every Wednesday f- for my tea. And if I say I'm playing with this person or that person this weekend, she'll be away googling them and them and stuff. Like she really takes an interest and she just loves seeing me doing what I love. So yeah, and she loves the Aww. rave. She says she went to her first rave when she was sixteen. It was the best night of her life. <laughs> <laughs> oh That's my amazing. God. So yeah. it runs in the family then. Yeah, no, honestly, big supporters and really appreciate it. Another class devil. Okay, so I think the last time I saw you in real life was we did a we were at the BBC and we did a mix. I think it was May. Yeah, and things felt mad then, and I feel like since then we've had we've had the summer pretty much. You've been touring everywhere. You've done your uh, you did an essential mix. You've been climbing the charts. <laughs> you've been busy. I mean, how have you been finding this whirlwind? Yeah, it's crazy. I think. Like, this is what I've wanted, like, for the last 10 years since I started, but no one can really prepare you for it. And it's a lot more mental than I thought it would be. Um, mm. It comes with its pressures. But I think the energy from the shows and putting out the music and people reacting to it will overcloud anything else. Um, but, yeah, it's just been absolutely mental. <laughs> How do you look after yourself? Because, like... <laughs> It's it's tough, right? And yeah. the pressure and the movement and going out and it, it is relentless and you can't really prepare for that. No, I know. Like I I am the worst for partying after parties, you name it, I'm there. And I think <laughs> because I got into the scene so early, like from us fourteen, fifteen Raven, like I'm so used to being on the dance floor and like I do find it difficult to go back to my hotel or go home after my sets because I'm so buzzing. Like I'll mm-hmm. always like when I finish my set, I'll go see the next DJ or go in the crowd um, but I think now like I've started seeing a life coach and stuff 
um, and really trying to put things in place to still party and still go see the DJs that enjoy, but just not as much. Because I'm doing, like, obviously before I wasn't doing as many shows as this, so I can get away with mm. it. But now I'm doing like shows back to back. Sometimes I've got three, four, five shows a week. And if I'm partying at every show, like I'm not in a good frame of mind during the week to then be creative and make music and do all the other things like this mm-hmm. <laughs> um, during the week. And yeah, I just think really taking time off um, away from the madness as well, because I felt like at a point it was just like, this was my whole life. There was no like going to see my friends and family, no dim time, no nothing else. It was just this. And I was like, had to reevaluate it when things got really mental. And I was like, actually, I need to take time off. And when I say time off, I can't be replying to messages or nothing because again, it's still going back to work. So I'd say cut down on the partying to look after myself and also more dim time. Like I've been going to spas, enjoying massages and yes. seeing my friends and family more because I think that was a big sacrifice was like not seeing anyone. Yeah, I see my mates at shows and partying, but not like chilling the way I used to. Um, but like it's still it's still very new, exciting and I'm still trying to find that balance. Yeah, I feel like. I think we're all <laughs> we're all trying to find balance um and uh, yeah it doesn't it doesn't get easier but I think the fact that you've had like I know you've been working hard and working for this for a, a long time but I feel like the the rise has been like very fast and very you know rising really quickly to the top and I think the fact that you're already like recognizing the need for balance and well-being like seeing your family going to the spa because I'm a sucker for the spa as well oh my god but it's it's really good to see that because I think and it might be a generational thing because I I often wonder if like our generation are a bit more and even even younger like my little brother's 17 and they do not drink or party as much as like I know that I did and we didn't but I look upwards to like older DJs and I feel like that generation there's still DJs in their like 40s 50s probably 60s are like still going like properly getting messed up and I'm like how are you still alive like I couldn't do that I'm 28. I feel like it's it's like it's not sustainable I know so many of my peers now that have gone sober because they've done it for so long and Mm. I'm not saying like I don't want to going sober is not something I'm completely want to do I just think I need to pick my battles more because like I enjoy drink like as much as the next person or partying and and it does make me feel more confident when I'm playing um and I just think that's something that I need to just find the balance of is pick your battles and not get on it at every show <laughs> it is crazy that that's just like a normal part of the of the workplace isn't it well, that's <laughs> like point, alcohol drugs yeah like, yeah easy yeah it really is. It just comes hand in hand with it. And when you're being so used... And I say, like, this is all new to me. As you said there, the rise has been very quick. Um, I have been doing it for a long time. But, I mean, things have got mental real quick. So it's now like, mm. oh, what do I do here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know... we. I think we've spoken about it a bit in the past. And you've, like, tweeted before about, like, maybe DJing sober. And you've been like, yeah. oh, I don't know if it's something... I can do or if I if I want to do like have you since then have you have you tried it have you been able to yeah so I have tried it and yeah and I played the first part of my set sober then I start drinking I feel for for me I feel so stiff when I'm on the decks um sober I feel like I'm analyzing my every mix and I'm not saying I'm getting wrecked when I'm playing but I usually have two or three drinks and then Mm. I'm in flow and I feel at ease I can make eye contact with the crowd Whereas I feel, now this is something I definitely want to um, be able to do is actually DJ sober Mm. because actually I'll probably play better if I am completely sober, but I'm just so much more aware when when I am sober of like, as I said, analysing the mixes and, oh, are they enjoying this? Are they not? When I've had my two or three drinks, I'm like, who cares? Let's go. Mm. So yeah, yeah, it is. It is a really interesting one. It's a hard one. There's no right or wrong answer. And who's to say? Yeah, like having a drink makes you more better or worse at DJing or more in tune with the crowd. Like it's impossible to know. But I think, yeah, I think being aware of it. I think it's practice. Like I, I went through like a sober. In fact, it's after we did a podcast, we did an episode about sobriety with Fat Tony, Tamanti, and Harvey from Prosper in this very studio. Should go listen to it. Unreal. Um, and I remember we did the episode and we were just 
they were sharing their experiences of sobriety and it actually like really influenced me to have a few months not drinking and because I had loads of gigs and I was like oh maybe I'll be better if I don't and actually like really trying to do I like I was like right I'm gonna do them get them get through bank holiday and do all these like five gigs sober and actually after I did a few I got into it and like not just knowing you can do it is quite reassuring um but I think it's just I think it's just something you get used to and I think yeah. it's like habits isn't it at the end of the it's day definitely breaking up the habits like mm. when I've tried to do it sober in the past it's like freak out mode oh no I need to have a drink now because I'm not enjoying it when actually you need to just get mm. past that part and then you can get used to it mm. as you said it's breaking up the habit but I actually remember I think we were at a show together and I, I said like are you drinking or do you want to drink something like no I'm sober and I was like Teach me. <laughs> Sorry, I'm no expert. These days I'm like, glass of wine, bottle of wine, you know. Yeah, it's 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 a tricky one. It's a tricky one. Yeah. And also now, like, yeah, because we, we're getting to an age now where we've been doing it for quite a few years. It's like, <laughs> you need to chill out at some yeah, point. I know. But what were the nights that you first started going to when you were first clubbing? Um, There was an event in... Perth in Scotland called the Rumba and they did um, parties back in the day when my mum and dad were raving, well they still rave but like in the <laughs> 90s and then they did a comeback because they stopped the parties for years then they did a comeback so I went to that and then I was like I like this I was <laughs> obviously very underage and then there was um, a nightclub in Dundee called London Nightclub and they used to run events called the Glam and then, yeah, it was like Dave Pierce, um, all the old trans guys and like Judge Jules uh, at that time. And yeah, that's what really made me go like, what is this, man? This is, feels good. <laughs> I love that. And the fact that your, yeah, you said your parents and grandparents were ravers um, is definitely part and parcel of your DNA. And I feel like you, you mentioned like kind of the like early trance guys and all those influences you can so hear in your music. Um, yeah, it's it's so mad because when I started 10 years ago, I was playing everything. Well, actually, I've been playing everything up until probably about a year or two ago. Mm. And I played everything to get the gigs. So I play house, trance, tech house, R&B, commercial, you name it, just to get the shows. Yeah. So it was like people didn't really understand that what kind of DJ are you because like I was just a DJ and I just used to play everywhere because I just love playing and getting the shows but I used to like for example in 2016 I used to run my own parties in Dundee and Arbroath actually where Jordan's from and like I put on a trans classics night on New Year's Eve because I knew that that was the music that I really loved which was hard house and trance because of my mum and my dad like I've got all their old LPs tapes CDs hmm. um, and it's like house classics trans classics and hard house classics and I used to put on those parties just as like a one-off because that would be the only chance I'd really get because I couldn't go and DJ in a bar and play trance or hard house. Yeah. Everyone would leave. But now that it's actually come back and I'm like, well, this is what I've always loved and it's perfect. And I know everything evolves and goes round in circles and it may go out again, but I'm in my absolute element just now because this is really my roots and it's what I absolutely love. And I've never in this whole 10 years felt so good DJing, even small gigs, big gigs, like, it's just because this music feels different to me. Mm, yeah. Also, you're one of the people who's responsible for mm. it coming back. Like, you're a yeah. big part of that revival, I think. It's yeah, I think he was, like, starting to sneak it in. Mm. Um, like, a lot of the elements in my tracks were influenced by that. So, yeah, I suppose it did start coming back and, like, the likes of Ben Hemsley as well. Um, it's, yeah, it's amazing. And then, and then now all the legends are starting to catch on and do it as well. Yeah, it's it's mad. It's it's really interesting how the trends kind of happen and like all the different because I feel like there's like lots of different trends happening at the moment. You've got like yeah, trance is definitely back in and like fast. Everything's fast. Everything's harder. Like 150 BPM, <laughs> and then you've also got like the speed garage revival. Yeah, and it's really interesting. I think also like that like TikTok and social media is big for it as well because I know like that's a big part of what you do. Like you are literally like shining example of how you can utilize a tool to make it 
you know, to like increase your fan base and yeah. to help you. Like I actually sometimes look on your TikTok and I'm like, what's she doing? What can I, <laughs> what can I do? It's, it's amazing how you've built that, by the it's way. Crazy. Like I actually started using TikTok late on and I remember like during lockdown, I was like, I, I don't want another platform. And then mm. like I was using it just for like daft stuff during lockdown. And then actually when I started to use it properly and it grew my Instagram, I was like, whoa, this is a no brainer. And it's actually my TikTok that's grown my Instagram mad isn't it yeah. and do, do you think people are discovering like obviously young kids who won't remember early trance classics do you think they're discovering the music like through social media as well I guess 100% like even I'll get loads of DMs from younger people and like what is this like what is this music and it's like music from the 90s and I'm like mm. it's this and they won't maybe their parents maybe not necessarily into it so they have no idea what it is but they obviously hear it and they're like whoa what is that? You know what I mean? It's got, it's got a certain. I feel like trance has got a certain emotion and emotion and energy about it that people just catch on to it. Hundred mm, percent. And I want to talk about kind of you, like DJing free the pandemic. I know you like you went to Ibiza a lot, and you were just you were saying you were DJing everywhere. You were building. And I first heard your name, I think, twenty nineteen, and I. On my first ever Radio 1 show in 2020, which was literally when the pandemic happened. Yeah, classic. That's when I started playing you. And then um, and then I feel like you had this momentum already, didn't you, building before the pandemic. And I remember you were a bit like, oh, it's really annoying because things are happening and now we have to stop and yeah. nothing really happened for anyone. But I feel like you were working on music and you were still consistently releasing music through, throughout that time and then sort of coming out the other side you're ready to go all guns blazing and I feel like a lot of it fell into place but how was that time for you kind of when you were breaking through and then like stopping and then opening the gates again? Yeah I think pre-pandemic was so it was 2019 and that's when things did really start to move and obviously it was devastating. It was devastating for everybody. It was, yeah, I'd done that edit of Murder on the Dance Floor. I made it from a set. And then there was just like a little clip of it online. And it just it just went mad. It was never supposed to be released. And Fisher started playing it. And it was the first time I'd really had like any DJ, like big DJ play my music. And then Fisher ended up booking me to go and play with him at High in Ibiza. And like I'd done three seasons in Ibiza and I was stuck on the West End. And so this was absolutely mental. Yeah. I've always wanted to play a super club in Ibiza, never mind with Fisher. Um, and then, yeah, it just started going crazy. And then the pandemic hit. And I was like, oh, no, this can't be happening. I genuinely thought it was over. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I was I was still dental nursing at that time. And then I couldn't be a dental nurse anymore because all the dentists closed. Mm. So I was just working. I was working in the chicken factory. I worked for Hermes and Tesco call centre. And, like, I felt so rubbish. And like losing the gigs and everything and then doing jobs that I didn't enjoy and like I actually fell off making music for a bit for for a, a good while actually at the start of the pandemic because like I didn't feel creative mm. um I didn't I didn't feel inspired to do anything and then I actually got a dental job again when um things started to open back up and when I got that job again and I was out and like because I'd done dental for so long like I actually did enjoy that job and enjoyed the people and then I kind of got my mojo back a bit started um going to the studio and stuff again making tunes and then yeah I just fell back in love with it again and I was like well I need to either get ready for when this stops or just, I don't stopping altogether is not going to be an option so I, I was just heavily pre prepared for when it did open back up again like I knew when everything opened back up that I was going to release Murder on the Dance Floor and I held it and because I didn't want to release it like mm. I got the sample cleared and I could have released it during the pandemic but I thought if I release this now, it's not going to be played in clubs. Um, it's going to get consumed very quickly. And then by the time we come out, it's going to be nowhere to be seen. So basically, mm -hmm. as soon as the pandemic um, stopped, Murder on the Dance Floor was released and then things just started moving again. And I'm really glad that I waited off and then had the music um, ready to follow on after. Yeah, sometimes it's all about timing. And yeah, that that your version of murder my dance floor i think i it was probably my most played track in 20 <laughs> what 2021 are we talking i think so yeah yeah i just like 
I, I just couldn't stop playing it. It was to yeah. the point where I was like, I need to stop playing this edit. It's it's like, but then it does the job. And fucking Sophie Ellis Baxter, babe. I mean, no. yes, yes, yeah. the drop, the stabs, everything so you've done good. to it. Yeah, well, I I don't. I remember I was at Warehouse Project and I was in the crowd after my set. Shock. And then <laughs> I was I was at your set. And then I heard you playing it and I was like, oh my God, this is mental. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good foresight from you as well to mm. be like, actually, I'm going to wait on this and I'm I'm not going to rush it out. Yeah. A part of me wanted to be like, put it out, stay relevant. But yeah. then I was like, no, it's definitely best to wait. And I'm so glad I did. But by the time it came out, tell you, I was sick of that. <laughs> mm, I bet you are. And now everyone probably wants to hear you play that in every set still yeah, well, as well to honestly, this day. You know, so The past two months I've started to fizzle out from playing it um like I'm playing hour hour and a half sets sometimes two hours and Mm. what's so much new music I want to play I I can't necessarily well I mean I could fit it in if I really wanted to but I just want to introduce new music yeah I'm still getting tweets messages like oh I really loved your set but where the fuck was more done a dance floor (laughs) sorry guys like please just let me play the new tunes I was saying, it's not a bad problem to no, have. No, no, definitely, definitely not. not. Definitely not. Like, I mean, if I'm struggling, I'll not play that. It'll be sound. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's definitely one of those, like, um, emergency tunes. Like, it was. Yeah. And I remember I played it uh, last last summer because I support, supported Peggy Goo in Finsbury Park. Wow. And then Oh, you remember some clips of that? Yeah, so yeah. she saw, she sent me a video. Yeah. And she was like, what is this? And I was like, and then I, I screenshot it and said to you. I and then, like, I, and then <laughs> Peggy Yu, I think she played it. I don't know where. Yeah. If you, then she started playing it and it was all over TikTok and she played it at Kingfield oh. because of oh, you. Wow. Well, that you. is mad. Yeah. And then I kind of got a buzz for it again. <laughs> yeah, I bet. After, yeah. Yeah, after you get the, the goo yeah. sign. The absolute um, legend herself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, on, on the subject, like we... There was at one point this summer where in the UK charts, there were five, I think I counted five women in dance music. In the top 10, Peggy Goo being one, you and Roro being what, big in there as well with Good Love, which well, did you peak at like number seven in the, yeah. do- in the charts. Peaked at number seven. It was in the top 10 for like <laughs> six weeks or something. Crazy. Wow. <laughs> yeah. What? Honestly, what? still blows my mind, man. <laughs> I mean, where do we even start with that? The, the fact that, you know, you're talking about like in the pandemic, you felt so frustrated, you need to go back to being a dental nurse. And then, and then like fast forward to summer 2023, you've like, this is the power of like, I don't, I don't know what it is. Like what, how do you think you got there? Like, do you think it's like the internet? Is it Scotland getting behind you? Is What is it? Like, it's incredible to see that this can happen. I honestly don't know. I feel like, when because I've been DJing for so long like I've a lot of people kind of knew who I was in Scotland I mean Mm. not not really anywhere else maybe a wee bit of England but not much and then when I played that Creamfield set last year and I was on first I was opening the trick stage it was like two Mm. o'clock in the afternoon and I was like oh god no one's going to be there and it's such a huge stage so I was prepared like, if there was going to be no one there, and I was prepared if there was going to be people there. And then when I got there, and it was empty, and it filled up in about two minutes, and there was loads of Scotland flags, it really hit me, because mm-hmm. I was like, oh my god, like, I actually do have a following, and I think just over, and it was all Scotland flags, I was like, I think it really showed the following had built up in Scotland over the ten years. Yeah. Well, it would have been nine years last year, but yeah. And then I was like, whoa, and then... Obviously, as you said earlier, utilising the likes of TikTok, Instagram, social media, um, doing the seasons in Ibiza for three years. I met so many people and uh, played to so many different people. And I think it was just like a mixture of everything building together. And then the music obviously gets you that wider reach. Yeah, it's like a mixture of organic and viral success coming yeah. together. And I think it's worked so well. Like, Yeah, thank you. It's crazy. But I do, I do think it is a real mixture of what I've just spoken about, definitely. Yeah. Mm. Is Scotland your favourite place to play? Like Oh, hands down. Like mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know if it's because like I feel like it's more of a community here than anywhere else. And I don't know if it's because it's a small country. So it's like when someone's doing well, everyone has got your back. Like everywhere I go, there's Scotland flags. It's mental. 
<laughs> as playing in Cornwall. Actually, so were you playing at board oh, yeah. at the weekend. Mm. And I, I came to my set and there's like four or five Scotland flags. And I'm like, what? Like, we're miles away and it's just mental. Everywhere I go now, people are proper, any Scottish people there will make the effort to bring that flag and support you because you're Scottish. And it is a real communica- community, sorry. And it just feels so good. As soon as I see it, I'm like, yes. <laughs> Love oh, being Scottish. Amazing. I mean, I feel like you, I personally, Scottish crowds are the best crowds, first of all. Like, 100%. You're just, Mental. you're all just so passionate, you know, <laughs> about everything. Do you drink Buckfast? <laughs> uh, no, I actually hate Bucket. Oh, no, really? No. Yeah. But like, if someone gives me a show on that, I'll like, have a swig and pretend I'm enjoying yeah. it. <laughs> but no, I actually don't like taste it. I actually don't like wine. I mean, I drink everything else, but I mean, and it's, it's a wine at the end of the day. I, I don't like it, no. I was going to attribute the energy of a Scottish crowd to mm. a few bottles of Buckfast. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe it's not that. No, yeah, but a lot of people do drink it and enjoy it and it does make you... <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's in it, but... Um, it's not a coincidence though, is it, that like so many of you, like there's so many incredible Scottish DJs, like, and and the fact that so many of you have managed to get in the charts, like Ewan and LF System and shout out to other Scottish DJs, I don't know, Frank, Talia, yeah. obviously, I can't, Van Damme, there's Kintra, like so many of you, there's so many, yeah. like, and I think that's not a coincidence that you can like what, what's what's happening in Scotland? What are you guys? What are you guys on? I want some of that. It must be the bucket. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I think yeah, Scottish people, as you said, we are very passionate people, and I think we've all got a bit of a screw loose. And I think like that energy portrays <laughs> in the music. It must be. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like from what it sounds like as well, um, is there's like a really like vibrant club scene. Like, oh, yeah, I hear a lot about I hear a lot about all the clubs up there, like Sub Club, and I mean I've never I've actually never been to Scotland, so I'm the wrong person <gasps> to be speaking about this. But Need just the way yourself. people talk about the clubs there sounds amazing. You Need to get yourself to a Scottish rave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to. I'm gonna. I'm, I like Buckfast as well, so I'm gonna put oh, yeah. in. She's I'm, your prime. I'm gonna have the Scottish flag. Bottle of Buckfast. Yeah, yeah. You know, I swear I know that girl. <laughs> You're not Scottish. <laughs> Doesn't matter. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Back to good love. Like, did you, did you anticipate the, maybe not the charts, but the success of this, of this tune in particular? And why do you think... It was this tune in particular that's done what it's done for you. No, I didn't. I didn't think it was going to do what it did. 
because as always the tunes are made to the dance floor mm. and it was fast it was like 140 bpm and like the reason that i liked it so much is because it reminded me of like the vocal was like my old clubland era back in the days mm. and people love that like regardless if it's trending now or not like that's classic sounding that people love and I just felt like I had that vibe around it and then when I started playing it at the shows what made me think oh okay we're on to something here like it was my most requested tune and I and I was like oh wow and I never had so many dms about a tune and then I put like a little preview of a up on soundcloud of it it was like 45 seconds or something and then the preview went in the charts on soundcloud Wow. And like SoundCloud had like emailed my management saying, like, we've never had a preview of a tune chart before. And I was like, oh my God. But never did I think SoundCloud chart, UK chart. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, when it came out, it just started going absolutely mental. And from what it was doing, like, in terms of Spotify streams, radio plays, all the attention it was getting, like, my management obviously knew a lot more than I did about charts and whatever because I've never had that experience. And they were like, no, we think this is heading for the chart. And I was like, nah, nah, no way. And, like, every day the label would send updates, like, it's doing this, it's doing that. And I was going, no way. And they were like, I think maybe in three, four weeks it'll go on the chart. And then a week later it entered the top 40. And I was like, what? (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it was honestly insane. And then it was like, right, it's going to be a top 40. And then it was like, it's going to be a top 20. And then it was like a top 10. I was like, oh my God, it's got to be happening, man. <laughs> it was, oh, honestly, it was surreal. Because at the end of the day, it's a it's a fast tune. And I think Calvin Harris releasing Miracle not long before that mm. really helped uh, pave the way for the doof going into the charts. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And an- again, another Scott, another Scott representing. Exactly. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I, I mentioned it before, like it feels significant also because you and Roro and alongside, I think it was Peggy Goo, Jazzy, Ellie Golding, they were like, I can't remember, they were like five women in the top 10 at some point. And like, I've, I flagged that because when we did the Jaguar Foundation report last year, we did a whole report on the subject of gender in UK dance music and looking back at the last four years, um, we analysed the official chart and only 5% of tracks in the official charts uh, were exclusively by women and non-binary artists as like the primary artists, like not as a feature, but as like the sole artist. So it's it's even more significant in terms of representation, and also feels like it feels like a real win, like one having all of you in there, and you and Robo, both two women as well. Um, I remember yeah. seeing you posting about that. I think it was when Eliza Rose went. Um, yes number one and, oh and Eliza was there that yeah. was it yeah and then I remember seeing you posting about that and like I was quite um mind blown at the figures I was like whoa that's crazy but yeah Eliza going number one and stuff like that was a huge moment for women in dance music as well yeah it's exciting and it feels like you know if we talk about representation just hopefully and I'm, I'm sure you must you must have like a lot of girls reaching out to you being like I, you know you're inspiring me to maybe I can do this as well 100% like I like I get a lot of dms as you said about people saying like oh you've really inspired me to do this but like I maybe don't have the confidence and like I actually wrote out because I was getting so many messages like after the success like I just wrote out a big note in my phone because I just felt like I was typing the same thing to everyone mm. and so like now if anybody asks me like I'll just send them this specific note that I've written and like it actually is it's mostly females that do reach out I don't know if it's because males maybe don't want to reach out to me but um yeah loads of females been asking try and help them where I can definitely that's great to see and yeah hopefully it just helps the overall figures of representation I'm sure we're going to see a lot of change like when I first started 10 years ago it was so dominated by males and now there's so many females coming through and it's so great to see Mm -hmm. long may it continue (laughs) (laughs) and also Roro like I haven't met her yet how did you guys get working together it's so funny I hadn't actually met her until we're in the charts (laughs) no way yeah we were playing that well I was playing at Mambo's uh, a few weeks ago for Capital Dance in Ibiza and Roro came along and we first met then but basically the way it works is you get sent 
um, top lines or acapellas mm-hmm. every week and just sit and go through them, listen to them. And then I I get sent loads and like often you just can't connect with them. And like sometimes like when you're really looking for an acapella, you'd be like, oh, like, oh, do I like this? Do I not? But when I got sent this, I was like on the phone to my manager, I was like, you need them to hold this immediately. Like, wow. please don't give this vocal to anybody else because I need this vocal. Like, I really need that. I was like, who is this singer? And like, oh, it's Roro, blah, blah, blah. And I was, I was actually driving to the airport and I was like waiting on a call back um, to see if the if somebody else had taken it because that can sometimes happen because they'll get sent out to multiple people. Um, like, if you're not quick, some people, somebody else will say like, I want that or mm. um, hold that for me. And they were like, right, we've got it for you. And I was like, oh, my God. I could not wait to get back from the shows and work on it. And, like, that's how it happened. That's how I got um, hold of the vocal. And, like, there was other writers involved in writing it and then Roro sung it and then it came to me. And, yeah, it just worked. And, like, it was actually such a quick process because, like, often with samples, as you know, the Sophia Baxter thing and everything, it took me, like, a year and a half or something to get that cleared but because this was an original, and when I got sent it, I was like, we need to get this out for summer. Like, mm. need to get it finished up. So I was down in London at the studio, and, like, I think we wrapped it up in maybe, like, six weeks, eight weeks, and, like, with the release date scheduled as well, wow. which never happens, as you know. Like, it takes time. Sometimes I put up a clip of a tune, and people are like, release it, and it won't come out <laughs> for, like, a year or two. So it was such a quick process and then released it at the end of May, the week before Radio 1 Big Weekend. It oh, was yeah. just, it was perfect. Which was in Dundee, your hometown. Exactly. And then people were automatically saying, like, tune of the summer and, like, yeah, that's what I'd hoped for. So, yeah, that's how it happened. And then when I met Roro, I was like, nice to meet you and, like, nice to be in the charts <laughs> together. <laughs> wow. Did you go out celebrating, I hope? Well, we had a few drinks at Mambo. <laughs> oh, that's so good. I need to meet her. I haven't met Rora yet. She's so cool. She's so nice and a great, great voice. Yeah, yeah, incredible voice. Yeah. Um, And yeah, hopefully that that being in the charts does amazing things for both of you, you know? 100%. Yeah, she says that so many people have been reaching out to her. It's brought on so many new opportunities for her as well. So Mm -hmm. for both of us, it's just made things go. Good. In terms of like supporting other talent and nurturing, I feel like electronic music is really good for this. And I know that Trick and Patrick have been like really helpful for you and like bringing you up. And I'd love to hear how that's been for you because I kind of I feel like now you're probably going to start nurturing people on your own. But how that's been? Yeah. So like I've always Patrick Tobin's always been one of my favorite DJs um, because he's so versatile, and I felt like that was me mm. um, playing everything, and he. And he plays everything because he loves everything. And like you'll catch him playing disco, house, tech house, techno, trance, hard house. And I was like, that's amazing. And like that's why he plays the longer sets, because he does play everything. And over the years I was like, this this is incredible to like I was obviously playing all these different genres at separate gigs, but actually he's playing all these genres at one gig just in a longer set. Mm. I was like, this is so cool. And um and obviously when I was making tunes, I was finding like it difficult to know where my tunes would fit label-wise. I was like, like, where are these going to fit? I don't know. And then when Patrick announced that he was doing a label, um, like I still remember he'd, he made a video of himself. He's like, I'm starting a label. It's going to be called Trek, blah, blah. I was like, oh. I was like, maybe he would take so- all these tunes that I'm sitting on. Maybe he would take some of these because I don't really know where they fit. And because he's so diverse, maybe that's what his label will be like. So for years, like, it's actually mental, I still got the, all the emails, I posted them not that long ago, um, for, and I think it was, like, a year or two, or I was just sending relentlessly, and the good thing about Trick was, at that time, when they were a bit smaller, they were able to reply to everybody, mm-hmm. now, that's impossible for them now, understandably, because they've gotten so massive, and it's just not possible, but they would, they actually, like, would reply and say, like, like, it's not quite right for us at the moment, but please do keep sending. And, yeah. like, instead of just getting absolutely ignored, like, that actually made me be like, oh, like, keep sending. So I did, and, like, I was, like, relentless. And then I actually ended up, like, messaging Patrick, um, like, a wee clip of me playing and back. And he was oh, like, yeah. I really like this. Like, I've got a VA coming out. Um, I want to put it on the VA. So it's going to be, like, 22 tracks, and my track will be on there. And I was like what is going on because I've wanted this for so long and no other label was interested in that tune like not one I must have sent it to so many 
but I loved it and it went off in sets and mm-hmm. I was like wow like I really want to release this and then um and back got released on the VA and then it was like the best selling track of the 22 tracks and then obviously I think that that got a bit of Patrick's attention and then he booked me for Creamfields and wow. then since then <laughs> and then my next aim was to release an EP was Trick and again like I sent quite a few tracks before Patrick and the team actually accepted I'm like I don't think it's quite right yet blah 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 so like even still at this stage like you're still getting knocked back or maybe it wasn't quite right but then now I'm glad that those initial tracks that I sent for the EP weren't the ones that came out because the ones that did end up coming out I'm much happier with and now mm-hmm. obviously I'm playing all the trick shows um I absolutely love what Patrick does for me like look what he's done for Shaq, Ben, Ewan like he's helped us all like we've all done our own thing but he's helped really bring us up and yeah it's just amazing and like literally he's changed my life so I'm forever grateful to him he's such a nice guy God, I feel emotional yeah I was just thinking that. That's that. Such, yeah that's amazing it's also like such a testament to your work ethic as well mm. and like not taking not taking no for an answer and like believing in what you were doing as well yeah like knowing yeah. it was good enough and just sticking with it I think that's actually quite like mm. it's quite inspirational to hear that yeah I just I think. think as I said like I just love those tunes so much and I, like, I can see that other people were enjoying them as well on the dance floor but I just think at that time the labels weren't understanding it but now mm. they are so yeah. it's crazy how like tricks really really played a big part in bringing all this through as well because they'll release everything they'll release house tech house techno trans mm. hard house and um and it's and it's really helped bring all that back definitely yeah I, yeah you can tell there's like a kind of sound that trick has like really helped like carry through and bring to the forefront and yeah respect to the whole team and patrick's such a a nice guy isn't he yes he's such Legend. a gent man he really is yeah oh love that um i want to ask you you put out i don't know if this is like an edit or an official release but your peaches edit of fuck the pain away obsessed <laughs> tell me more <laughs> do you know what it's actually a funny story because like when you when you when i was speaking to you earlier i was thinking and i thought that you're going to bring this up because you'd commented on it and then i'd sent mm-hmm. you but the reason, so some when I like I sample a lot of um, I sample a lot of vocals and stuff, and it's always just usually from a set. It's like any edit that I've ever released has always been made from a set, and then mm. it's done well. So I thought I'd release it. So this is the same thing. Now this Peaches tune, when me and my mates were younger, like we used to sing it because I had swearing in it. Yeah. Right? So like that was why I liked that tune, right? Because we used to get away with swearing because. Like, this was a tune we'd always put on. Like, when I mean, like, very young, very, very young. I used to sing this tune because I had loads of swearing in it. And that's how I knew the tune. And then I have, like, a list in my phone of, like, loads of potential samples I want to use. Mm. Like, if I'm um, wanting to sample something. And I was going through them and I was like, oh, that Peaches one. I was like, do you know what? I want to try something with that. So I was in the studio and, like, you know the original. It's so slow. <laughs> I was yeah, like, it is. 150 BPM, pitch it up. What's this going to sound like? And I was like oh this sounds good so it's like 150 bpm like um quite hard techno yeah. and um i played it out at a sh- i think i went there I played it out at el row surprisingly oh really <laughs> i played it out at el row um in london for the first time and then i put up a clip of it on socials as ever and everyone's been like what is this and i'm like oh maybe i'll release this as well then but no nah, i don't know it's still very early stages like it was literally only like four weeks ago but it's been going absolutely mental on the dance floor and online. So yeah, that's how that came about because I thought it was cool swearing when I was younger. <laughs> that's funny. I mean, I used to love Peaches. Yeah, I, feel peaches. Like, I feel like you should send that to her if she hasn't yeah, heard she's, it. Well, yeah, she's like, she is, she's cool. She's like a punk rocker. Yeah. <laughs> like you look at her and you're just like, you're cool. And she looks like crazy and mm-hmm. her songs are crazy. And she's just got that whole good energy about her. Um, and yeah, like my management was like, yeah, you need to send her that. So I, yeah, I do need to. <laughs> I think you should. Yeah, bring uh, it back to life. It's a classic though. Like it's such a tune. Like the original. I agree. Yeah. Underrated classic. And I also love that this moment in time, like all these noughties things, references, samples, 
it's just it's so like my inner like eight-year-old girl self is just so happy DJing at the moment because you can get away with playing Beyonce, you can get away with playing Peaches, you can get away with playing Sophia Spexter, and that's how it should be. Yeah, right? you'd be able to play what you like. Yeah. If the crowd's liking it, that's what matters. Exactly. Um, no such thing as a guilty pleasure. No, I, I, I'm with you. What yeah. do you think to that, Hannah? 100% are people like, oh, that's cheesy or blah, blah, blah. But I'm just like, it's a tune. Simple as that. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, so I want to ask you as well. Doof, doof. Doof, doof. <laughs> doof, doof, doof. doof, doof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what is doof, doof? So basically, like, a lot of people would ask me, like, what genre of music do you play? And... Like, in Scotland, we would say doof. Because, like, doof, doof, doof. But also, <laughs> in Australia, like, doof means, it means, like, it's got an actual meaning. It's a, an actual word that they use in Australia. It means heavy, repetitive bass line, and it also means party. Like, we're going to a doof. Does and it? And gay party is called poof doofs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, I've wow. seen poof doof. Okay. So it's like, it can mean, like, a bang and beat or a party, basically. And then, like, yeah, so if anybody asked me what I play, I'd be like, doof, because it's like, banging fast and that is a word that's made to be said in a scottish accent yeah. by the way sorry to interrupt but <laughs> so yeah and then i was just like i need this to be my brand <laughs> and then uh, i just started teasing it and it's just caught on there, everyone's mm. got tattoos it's mental like i've not even i'm, I'm launching it into a label basically but Sick. and parties as well i've not i've not done a single doof party or launched the label yet and everyone's got tattoos already. I've just been saying oh, the word. Like, people are like, um, Mrs. Doof and all that. And I'm like, <laughs> Mrs. Doof. Uh, uh, Dundee Doof and like all this. And it's mental. Like, people have got tattoos like on their arms or legs. Like, two people have got it tattooed on their lip there. Whoa. It's no. And then it done like a t shirt drop and they sold out within like two days. Um, oh. so I'm launching the label um, at the end of October ish, end of the year. Um, and then starting to put on doof parties so I'm well excited and I just feel like I'm so happy with how the brand's been received without necessarily doing anything yet so I mean, that, the name's already about so it's perfect for releasing the yeah. tunes and throwing the parties that's literally the dream and and on the label side are you going to release your music or other artists or mixture I think I'm going to launch the label with tune for myself and then I've already started like getting my eye on people like mm. I get sent obviously a lot of tunes like yourself on promo to playing sets and stuff that are unreleased and I've been like can you hold that for me for diff so the plans are well underway and I cannot wait no. oh, love that yes it's going love to, to class see that. to build a wee diff community we all need a little bit of diff in our lives <laughs> uh, you know it <laughs> can't have enough diff oh <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be there at the launch night don't you worry it's good diffing around um all right we've got a few minutes left so i want to ask you um what you've got coming up because i mean you've already achieved a lot of things and i'm sure some things you didn't think you'd take off uh already have already happened so um yeah what what's in the pipeline i've actually remixed calvin harris's new tune oh <gasps> what miracle and oh, no, the, the, the sam smith, smith. <gasps> yeah oh okay so basic, yeah. So when I got the request for it, honestly, about fell out my bed because I just woke up in the morning and I had messages. Now I've like my management. There's five of them or something, and I had a message from like three of them, and like, not in the group chat separately. And I was like, oh my god, now they're like, yeah, Calvin wants you to remix his new tune. I was like, what? What is going on? Because everyone always goes like, have you met Calvin Harris or this or that? Because because I'm Scottish, I'm like, I actually haven't. Mm. Like he was behind me one time when I was playing in high, but like we didn't manage to chat, and I've never met him. But like he like well he must know who I am now and I'm like nah this is mental so like wow. I was but then I was like oh no like how am I gonna do this justice <laughs> like because it's perfect the way it is like it's mm. an absolute tune I love it um and then I was like right so yeah I've diffed it right up basically <laughs> <laughs> oh and, my god uh, yeah it's coming out soon that Aww. is big well done babe thank you honestly like it's, it feels absolutely huge for me and um Calvin being like one of the greatest producers of all time and he's mm. Scottish. It's a, definitely a moment and I'm so buzzing. feels mental to be asked, yeah. Oh my God. Honestly, I'm so happy for you and Thank inspired, you. to be I honest. I appreciate it. Um, okay, so we've got one more question. The Utopia Talks podcast is all about 
utopia. So what is your utopia? And this can be music. This can be your own life. This could be something you want to see in the future. It can be whatever you want it to be. Uh, well, I think I think my ideal utopia would be like people should live and let other people live because if people did that, if people used that energy for themselves instead of um, being so bothered about what other people do, they would be much happier inside because like at the moment I feel like stuff that I've been experiencing like online, like people are like more successful you are, people get so bothered by it and like I really do think people should just, if somebody else is doing something, like leave them be and you focus on you and that would be my ideal of utopia. Sounds pretty great if you yeah, ask me. I can get behind that. I'm more diff diff. <laughs> yeah, utopia. I don't know if that's diff diff. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah, no, I do think that definitely. It would be a more peaceful world. Yeah, more yeah. empathy we need in yeah. this world. Yeah. Definitely. There we definitely. go. There we go. Um, Hannah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a real pleasure to speak to you. Thank you to you both for having me on. And we'll see you soon. We'll see you at a diff diff. Yeah, well, I might see you soon, maybe at a show before then. I hope so. Hopefully I'll see you at a show and always welcome to the doof. Hey. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Utopia Talks is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 